good morning, everyone. God does hold the future. Never let that thought leave your mind. And we're going to see that today as you open the Bible, open God's Word to Mark chapter 14, verse 53. We'll continue our walk through Mark. We are nearing the end of what is known as the Passion Week. Jesus has come to town on his own initiative. He was warned, don't go there. They're going to kill you. But he goes anyways. And when he gets to town, things escalate quickly. If you remember, Jesus curses the fig tree. He cleansed the temple. He's confronted by the Sanhedrin. He taught in the temple. He told parables. He He took on every attack that the religious leaders brought to him and turned it back on them. He explained truth to the people about taxes and whose image they bear. He cleared up teaching on the resurrection. He gave the world the greatest two commandments. The most important, Jesus said, is hero, hero, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other great, There are no other commandments greater than these. And that's a truth that still stands today and forever. Amen? You can respond back. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Jesus warned the people to beware of the religious leaders. Beware of the ones who devour widows' houses. And they saw a real-life example of this as Jesus brought attention to the widow who gave her last penny to the system. They watched as a widow walked away from the system, destitute, instead of being taken care of. And from there, Christ turns his attention to the religious leaders, not to share the gospel. That's already been done. Now he calls them out for who they are. Woe to you hypocrites. Woe to you hypocrites. Seven woes he gives them. Woe unto you, you blind guides. He pronounces judgment on on the ones who had turned the house of God into a den of thieves. Not only did Jesus foretell the end of the system, the religious system that we saw, but he also foretold the destruction of the temple. And with this prophecy, Jesus teaches on the end of the age, or better, better said, the end of this age, as he taught. Be alert, be alert. The times will be changing, he says. There will be no need for the temple anymore. There will be no need for the religious leaders. No more high priest on this earth. There will be no need for the sacrificial system. Christ taught that because he knew what he was going to accomplish on the cross. And so the preparation for the cross had begun. Remember Pastor Ryan taught on how Mary poured out a jar of nard on Jesus as an act of worship. And Jesus said... He said, she has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Christ then replaces the Passover meal with the Lord's Supper. With his disciples, Jesus had his last Passover meal and then explained to them, from here on out, from here on, you are to partake in the Lord's Supper. And when you do, you will be declaring my death until I come. What a busy week. The army used to have a commercial, some of you may remember. They would show these soldiers doing all these drills and actions, and they would say, we do more by 6 a.m. than most people do all day. That was their pitch. I can't help but think Christ did more in a week than anyone can do in their entire life, you know. Uh, 
just amazed me as I went back and looking over what we've studied in the last few weeks, just blown away by what Christ had done. We see the human side of Christ also as he goes up to Gethsemane to pray. We saw how he sweated droplets of blood as he prayed to the Father, and he said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. He told his disciples, Stay here and watch, and he went a little further. And he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all these things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus was willing to do the Father's will, willing to go to the cross and take the wrath of God, willing to provide salvation for sinners like you and me. Jesus continued to pray, and when he, when he had finished praying, he said to his disciples, he said, the hour has come. He's always been in control. He said, the hour has, has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, another word from Mark right there, and immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, and they arrested Jesus. They must have been pretty scared of Jesus. It says that the chief priests and the scribes put together a great multitude. They brought the temple police with them. They were the ones who carried the clubs. I don't know how many they were. Not sure of that. But ever how many they were, I guess it wasn't enough because they also brought a few Roman soldiers with them. As a matter of fact, they had 600 Roman soldiers with them. They're the ones that carried the swords. That's quite the assembly of force just to arrest one guy. <coughs> but that's what happens. But that is what, this is what happens when you, when you let envy and power and pride and guilt take control of your life. Think about this for a moment. All of these people who came to arrest Jesus... They, they knew about his power. Most of them had witnessed his miracles. They, they, they knew that Jesus had the power to raise one from the dead. Many were there when Lazarus was, uh, came out of the tomb. If not, they definitely heard about it. Makes you wonder, did it ever cross their mind? Hey, if we go arrest Jesus and, and, and we have to kill him, he's just going to come back to life. You know, this was the, the first real true avenger. Those shows kill me. They fight and fight and fight. Neither one can die. They fight and fight. But when they get done, they got a little cut right here. Jesus was the first and only real avenger. But listen, when you're consumed with wanting power, as they were, when you're consumed with hatred, when you're consumed with pride and envy, you usually don't think things through and you will make bad decisions. You really will. The religious leaders in that day have been making bad decisions for a while. Now, now they're able to arrest Jesus. You know, they go, all right, we're going to arrest him. We're going to take him out. Then they're able to arrest Jesus. But listen, point, only because he allowed them to. Like Pastor Ryan said, Jesus was never surprised by any actions, and he was in control at all times. Like the hymn we just sung, he holds the future in his hands. Now, note to make here, 
even though the, San, uh, even though the Sanhedrin had uh, Roman soldiers with them, it was not the Roman, the Roman government that officially arrested Jesus. It was the religious authorities who arrested. It was the Jewish Sanhedrin. So let's look down at Mark 14, verse 53. And they led Jesus to the high priest. This is after they arrested him. And all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him from a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this, their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witness do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. So this is where the mockery begins. Then, you know, this would be considered a, a kangaroo court. It is an unofficial court held by a group of people in order to try someone, who they, especially without good evidence, and declare them guilty of a crime unofficially. So it's a kangaroo court, and that's what we have here. They have a verdict in their minds, and they're just looking for a crime to charge Jesus with that would meet their verdict. Guilty, deserving death. Look at what, verse 55. The council, the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against, against Jesus. Why? To put him to death. But they found none. So important to know as we walk through the trials of Jesus that there was no evidence of a crime. He, he, he was not guilty. He was sinless. And, and in the trials, this truth is proven again and again and again as we will see. Remember, Jesus had to be sinless. We talked about this in our Christmas message. If you missed that, I encourage you to go to the website and listen to that teaching. But, but they had no evidence of anything, only made up stories, or, or they told lies about him. They had no proof of a crime, or definitely a crime worthy of death. And so they say to Jesus, the high priest stood up in the midst of the crowd, have you an answer to make? What is this that these men testify against you? You know, all these, they're, they're bringing in all these false accusations. Jesus never responds to the false accusations, not one time. If he had, he would only give in credit to the lies. It, 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 wouldn't have, it wouldn't have mattered what his response would have been. It, it would have made no difference if he gave truth to these false accusations. So he never responded to any of them. Verse 61, again, the high priest asked him, saying, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? All right, now we got some truth. Now here's something worth giving an answer to. Now Jesus will talk. And Jesus said, I am. 
And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. He said, I'm not going to answer the false accusation, but the truth, Jesus will give an answer. Jesus says, I am. I am the Christ. I am the Son of the Blessed. He gave them truth. And it is, if you think about it, it is truth is what they said Jesus was guilty of. When he spoke truth, they said, guilty. And the high priest tore his garments. He said, what, what further witness do we need? You, you heard this blasphemy. What's your decision? He's asking the rest of the, the leaders there. What's your decision? They condemned him as deserving death. They spit on him. Struck him. Hit him in the face. Prophesy. Tell me who hit you. They covered his face. Hit him. If you're God, tell me who hit you. They accused Jesus of blasphemy because he said he's the Messiah, the Son of God, thus claiming to be deity. But they offered no evidence that Jesus was not the Son of God. So the way I see it, Jesus is guilty of truth, case closed. Now they want to put him to death. First trial over. First trial's over. It's 3 o'clock Friday morning, 3 a.m. The religious leaders have their charge against Jesus. They're ready to put him to death. They have their sentence ready, and they have all condemned him to deserving death, but they couldn't carry it out. They have to take Jesus to the Roman authorities, and they could not do that until 5 a.m. They couldn't do it till 5 o'clock in the morning. So as they waited for sunrise, I guess they thought it was time, you know, make use of this time. So they mocked Jesus and they spit on him and they beat him and they slapped him in his face for those hours. Basically, for those hours, they blasphemed the Son of God. Blaspheme means speak irreverently about God, to be irreverent to God. They committed the exact act that they have charged Jesus with. Blinded by their hatred and pride, they could not see their own sin. But they could falsely charge another with the exact same sin. Nothing new under the sun, is it? We all know how easy it is to see the speck in someone else's eyes, but not be able to see that log in our own. Jesus taught on it. Note to make here as we go through scriptures, as we go through the text that reveals other people's sins, we, we should not judge those people. We are to learn from their actions, not judge them. You know, what not to do. We are, we are to make sure we do not let hatred blind us to truth like it did them. You see what I'm saying? We are to make sure that we do not let pride prevent us from hearing truth and loving others. Be, before we judge, before we say, boy, if I'd have been there, I wouldn't have done that. We need to be very, very careful. We need to do a self-examination. Always remember, if it were not for the grace of God, we would be in the same boat. John Bradford said as he watched a group of prisoners being led to execution, he said, there but for the grace of God goes John Bradford. Think about it. If it was not for the blessing of our divine God, we could be in the same position as those who don't know Jesus. Count our blessings. We learn. We have to make sure that we do not just put on an outward appearance of being holy while all the time having a heart full of hatred and pride and envy. The Sanhedrin, 
They wanted to put on an outward appearance of loving God and following the law, but their hearts were evil. One way they did this is they waited to 5 o'clock sunrise to put on a mock trial. Why go through all of this you know, that they just went through a few hours earlier? Why do it again at 5 o'clock? They wanted to appear holy. They wanted the people to know that, you know, hey, we did this the right way. We did this the right way. Jewish law requires that a trial has to be held in the daylight, even though they just held one in the middle of the night. So they waited until sunrise to render their verdict. Luke twenty-two sixty-six. listen to what it says. It says, when day came, there you go, when the sun rose, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council, and they said, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you will not believe, because they've already been through this. You know, if I tell you, you're not going to believe. Jesus continues, and if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they asked him again, are you the Son of God? And he said to them, you say that I am. Then they said, what further testimony do we need? We've heard it ourselves from his own lips. Again, Jesus only answered the truth. He confirmed the truth. Side note here. Listen, you hear people say all the time, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. My question is, have you ever read the scriptures before you say that? Because Jesus claimed to be God again and again. Even, listen to this, even while under the threat of being hung on a cross if he said he was God. Jesus is the Son of God, and he clearly claimed to be God, and he clearly proved he was God. And they say, well, now we've heard it from uh, his own lips. And guess what? The Jewish trial's done. We've heard it. Guilty. They're ready to bring the, bring the Roman authorities in on this. As a matter of fact, they must bring in the Roman, uh, must have the Rome, uh, Romans involved. Why do they need the Romans? John 18, 31 tells us. They said, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. So, so they have sentenced Jesus to death, but they don't have the right to kill anyone. Only the Roman government was allowed to do that. Plus, the Jews didn't want to be the ones to kill Jesus. Why? Do you remember? They were afraid of who? The people. They were afraid of the people. That, that's why they arrested him in the middle of the night. They feared the people more than they feared God. We saw that many times in our study of Mark here. So they, so they wanted this trial and the hanging to appear to be done by the book. They, they needed the Romans to do the execution for them. So what's their next move? Let's bring him in front of Pilate. Look at Mark 15, chapter 15, verse 1. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consolation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. Now before we dig into this text, I'd like to bring up something else about the way this trial was handled. The Jewish law 
required that they couldn't do it at night, but it also required a 24-hour period before an execution after a sentence had been rendered in order that if new evidence could be brought forth. If there was any new evidence, they wanted to give it time to be brought forth. Didn't happen with Jesus. It didn't happen here. The ones who wanted it to appear at that, you know, that they were following the law, uh, wanted to appear like that, were just picking and choosing what laws they would follow. They were putting on that outward appearance. If the final public trial was completed somewhere after 5 a.m., and if Jesus was put on the cross at, by 9, I'm not a math major. Maybe some of y'all can help me, but that doesn't add up to 24 hours. Didn't happen. Truth is, they didn't want any more evidence. They, they didn't want a fair trial. What did they want? They wanted Jesus dead. They wanted him dead. So they bind him and deliver him to Pilate. They wanted to, to get this thing over quickly so they could go enjoy the Passover. And if you don't know who Pilate is, Pilate, he's the Roman governor. This is the man that the religious leaders needed to give the orders to execute Jesus. Now we know that this letter, this letter of Mark, is about what? The kingdom of God, right? And that's why Mark goes right to the question that Pilate asked Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? It's all about the kingdom of God and, and, and the kingdom being at hand. Don't miss that as you go through this letter. It began in chapter 1, and here we are at the end of this letter. We see the same theme that has been proclaimed throughout the, this letter. The king of a kingdom. Now, so we can get a, help us get a clearer understanding of this kingdom that Jesus talks about, I want to go over to John chapter 18, verse 28. You can flip over to John chapter 18, verse 28. <coughs> Same account here. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. So they're taking him to Pilate. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. Why, their hypocrisy knows no bounds, does it? They, they don't want to be defiled all the while they're trying to murder the Son of God. They, they don't want to step on Gentile land because if they did, that would, be, that would make them ceremonial defiled and, and they would not be able to partake in the Passover meal. What hypocrisy. Verse 29 so Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusations do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Well, there's their pride. Their pride was just revealed. Don't question us. If he, was, if he, had, if he had not done wrong, would we have brought him to you? That's what they're saying to Pilate. You know, Pilate, he's being the judge. He's asking the right questions, but they don't want a judge. They want Pilate merely as an executioner. They don't want a, a retrial. They don't want any more questions. They, they're done with that. So Pilate says it in verse 31, take him yourself and judge him by your own law. And the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to, be fulfilled, this was to fulfill the words that Jesus had spoken to show what kind of death he was going to die. Again, Christ is in charge of all. How did Jesus say he was going to die? He said that he would die by being lifted up. 
if the Jews had executed him under mob rule, that's the only way they could do it, then they would have thrown him down and stoned him to death. And the Jews didn't want to be the one to execute Jesus. They didn't want the people mad at them. So guess what? Jesus would be lifted up and hung on a cross, not stoned, just like he said. Verse 33, so Pilate entered the headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And this is what it's all about again. It's about the king and his kingdom. And so Jesus answered him in verse 34, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answers, Am I a Jew? You know, Pilate said, Look, I ain't part of your stuff over here. He may not have been a Jew, but he knew who Jesus was. He knew about all the miracles. Nothing happened in Jerusalem that Pilate did not know about. Pilate had to give permission for the religious leaders to take those Roman soldiers with him with them to go arrest Jesus. So he knew about this. Pilate clearly knew who Jesus was. So Pilate says to Jesus, your own nation and chief priests has delivered you over to me. What have you done? How did Jesus answer this? He takes Pilate right back to the kingdom of God. Listen, verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? You know, Jesus says, this is truth, and Pilate says, what is truth? It's like, were you listening? <laughs> truth is every word that Jesus speaks. My kingdom is not of this world. If it was, we would fight. That is truth. You say I am king for this purpose I was born. The reason I came into this world was to conquer sin. That is truth. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel message. That is the truth. Amen? You can respond. Truth was standing right before Pilate, and he could not hear it nor see it. Pilate was more concerned about himself. Pilate, Pilate was, he was very full of himself. He, he had a very elevated opinion of his power. He says to Jesus in John 19, 10, Do you know that I have authority over you? I can do anything I want to you. Jesus says, You have no authority over me at all. If it was not, if all, if it was not given to you from on high. You know, the ones who are over these earthly kingdoms believe they have power over the kingdom of God. Pride and greed and envy will fool the heart and blind it from truth. As we look, all of these earthly leaders believe they had the power to control the destiny of Jesus. From Judas to Caiaphas, the entire Sanhedrin, Pilate, Herod, all believed they had the power, they had power over Jesus. The truth is, Jesus has his destiny in his hands. 
He is and has been in control of all at all times. Listen to this truth. No earthly power can determine the destiny of Jesus. No earthly power. But hear this. Every soul's destiny is determined by what he does with Jesus. Keep that thought in your mind. We're going to come back to that in a moment. So we see that it is about a king and a kingdom. Back to Mark 15 again. We'll read that. And Pilate said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered, you have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And he said, you don't, you don't have an answer for this? You see how many charges they're bringing? But Jesus made no further answer, so Pilate was amazed. The chief priest and, and the, the Sanhedrin, they, they had made three accusations about Jesus. They said, he is perverting our nation. He is forbidding the people to pay taxes. And he's claiming to be king all our lives. He, he did not pervert the nation. Jesus came teaching truth. Who actually perverted the nation? The religious leaders, the accusers. Jesus did not forbid anyone to pay taxes. We studied that, didn't we? He told them to pay their taxes, and he paid his own taxes. And we just saw that Jesus did, not, did claim to be a king, but what? His kingdom was never of this world. They told nothing but lies, and Christ told nothing but truth. So Pilate's question for Jesus, you know, are you the king of the Jews? This is what Pilate wanted to know. Pilate didn't care if Jesus perverted the nation. He didn't care about that. He knew that Jesus did not tell anyone, tell the people to not pay their taxes. Pilate's in charge of collecting the taxes. He would have known if Jesus was leading a rebellion to not pay taxes. Pilate went right to the third accusation because that's the one that concerned him the most. Are you the king of the Jews? Now, I want you to get this picture in your mind. Think about this for a moment. Think about what Christ looked like at this time while he's standing in front of Pilate. He has a garment on that has been stained by sweat and blood. He's battered and bruised from all the punches that they did, that they hit him with. He has a face that has spit all over it. He's dirty. He's bruised and bloody. And Pilate asked him, are you a king? Are you a king? Because you sure don't look like one to me. You don't look like any king I've ever met. Jesus never claimed to be an earthly king. Never. His appearance was never that of an earthly king, even as he stood there in front of Pilate. Jesus' message was always about the spiritual kingdom. His kingdom is not of this world. The spiritual kingdom was no concern for Pilate. The earthly kingdom, the earthly kingdom was all he was concerned about. And as Pilate looked at Jesus in that condition, he, didn't, he did not see Jesus as a threat to him. You a king? Really? But this put Pilate in a bad place. Because he found no guilt in Jesus. He was a judge. He found no guilt in Jesus. He, he really wanted to let Jesus go. Three times. Three times he pronounced him not guilty. He wanted to wash his hands of what was going on here. 
But Pilate had a problem. He was hated by the Jews. He had, a, he, he's, he had had a couple run-ins with them in the past. P Pilate didn't need any more trouble. Why? Because he didn't want to lose his job. He did have a job to do. He, you know, he, he has a sense of justice. He wanted to stand on justice. He wanted to do what would prove to the people who were above him that, that he was an honorable man and deserved to keep his position as governor. He had a job to do, and he was trying to do that. But Pilate had a problem. Justice was no threat to him. Jesus is certainly no threat to him or to Rome. But let me tell you what was a threat to him. The Jews were. He doesn't want to deal with the religious leaders. He's not good at that. He's blown it too many times. He knows that, that he has failed so many times in dealing with the Jews, and he's afraid uh, 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 if they report him to Caesar again, they would, they would take him out. He would no longer be governor. And the Jews reminded him of that to get what they wanted. They, they said to him, we will tell Caesar if you do not do what we want. You're no friend of Caesar. Pilate's shaking. Pilate's in a pickle. Some of y'all may not know what a pickle is. Ask Chris Fields if, after service. Pilate's in a pickle. Does he listen to the truth? Does he listen to Jesus? Because Jesus said, you say that I am king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Or does Pilate listen to the world? We will tell Caesar if you do not do what we want. You're no friend of Caesar. Pilate's in a pickle. Does he listen to the truth? Truth is, Jesus has his own destiny in his hands. No earthly power can determine the destiny of Jesus. But like I said earlier, every soul's destiny is determined by what he does with Jesus. Or does Pilate listen to the world? Does he listen to his own words? His own words to Jesus, don't you know that I have authority over you? I can do anything I want. Pilate's in a pickle. There's one question that Pilate asks that we all have to answer. Pilate asked the Jews, what do you want me to do with this man Jesus? We all have to answer that question. Because what we do with Jesus determines our soul's destiny. So we must ask ourselves today, what have we done with Jesus? Do we understand truth? Do we understand that he is a king? Do we understand the purpose he was born? Do we understand why he came to this world? Because everyone who is of the truth listens to his voice. So we have to ask ourselves, do we hear what Jesus is saying? Are we of the kingdom of God? Do we understand that God's kingdom is not of this world? We have to ask ourselves, what am I doing with this man, Jesus? Amen? Pastor Derek.